Um, well, hello everyone. I think we're going to try and make a little start. It's really funny being in the sport tent because you're beside like, all of the activities and sports that are going on just outside. It's great. Um, Folks, thank you so much for coming uh, to our seminar. I really appreciate it, especially when there's just so many other bits and pieces going on in seminars. Um, to introduce, my name is Ben, uh, and this is Esther. Hello. Yeah, we both have the real privilege of working for an organization called International Justice Mission. Um, I uh, help to lead our work in our Northern Ireland office, and Esther, could you maybe give a wee bit of introduction to yourself and what you do, and a bit about home, where's home for you yeah, and all that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I have a great joy in that I get to work with Ben um, and I help to lead IJM um, across the UK. So I'm based um, up in the north of England in a city called Durham, which is a very lovely place. Um, you're all very welcome to visit. Um, and yeah, um, it's my first time at Summer Madness and I'm absolutely loving it. So thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> Esther was commenting on the weather saying it's remarkable how um, you can rain and then be sunny and then rain again and be sunny. And your biggest question was how on earth do you plan? Like what to wear yeah, like, going out? You know out? when you ha think you're having a good hair day and then like, y yeah, it's, it's a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> So, so good. So it, it's a total privilege to have Esther with us. Esther is also going to be the main stage speaker this evening and tomorrow morning. Um, so we thought actually we would uh, play a little game to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, it's called Two Truths and a Lie. Are we familiar with Two Truths and a Lie? Okay. So Esther, you need to give us three statements. Okay. Yep. Two of them are going to be true. One of them is going to be a lie. And we're going to take a vote and see if we can work out which, which one's which. Okay. All right. Brilliant. Okay. So these are my three statements. Um, firstly, um, I was the under 17 national champion at ping pong. Number two, um, I've spent the night in jail. And number three, I have crashed a BMW. Okay. Can you turn to the person beside you or people around you? Um, can you repeat those one more time just as we're discussing? Yeah, okay, so national under 17 ping pong champion represent um, night in jail or crashed a BMW. We'll give you 30 seconds, 30 seconds, and then we'll take a little vote. Okay, right, we're going to take a vote. So we're voting for which one we think is the lie, okay? So Esther, first statements. Okay, national ping pong champion. Who thinks that is the lie? What? Uh, okay. Gosh, okay. they just think that's definitely... Okay, okay, right. Should I not give up sporting <laughs> prowess? Um, spent the night in jail. Interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, thirdly, crashed a BMW. That's a lie. That's okay, a lie. Um, Esther, can you reveal which one is the lie? Okay, the big reveal in reverse order. Um, I did crash somebody else's BMW. Turns out an automatic car, if you don't put the handbrake on, it will drive. Brilliant. Um, number two, I have spent the night in jail. You need to, you need to explain <laughs> that okay, one okay, a little bit. Okay, like which means number three, I was not the ping pong champion, boo. Um, no. Although my husband was. Fun Your fact. husband was, that's No, amazing. but yeah. just to reassure you, um, yeah, the night in jail, I was backpacking with my sister in South Africa. We couldn't find anywhere to stay. And we uh, got taken into an old prison and spent the night there instead. So uh, there you go.
It's incredible. <laughs> Swap your sisters on tour. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Ben, can you give us, can you give us uh, your very quick? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go really, really go quick. On, okay, so on. three statements from me um, is I have a 23-year-old goldfish called Bob. Great. Um, I have climbed Sleeve Donard uh, backward, backwards for charity. Okay, so our tallest mountain. And I had Manchester United football trials as well. So those are, those are my so three good. statements. So Okay, hands up for the lie. So hands up for the lie. So 23-year-old goldfish called Bob. 23 and a goldfish. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, the I backwards mountain. Yeah, climb sleeve Donards backwards for charity. Yeah. I think that's the lie. Interesting. Okay, and I had Manchester United football trials. Okay, thanks for the faith in me there. I'm a football <laughs> ability. I know these guys. Um, the, the big reveal? The big reveal was the lie. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I just said. The lie is I have... Not climbed sleeve Donard backwards. So I do have a goldfish called Bob that's 23 years old. 23. Yeah, and I will. I know you're all looking at me going, don't trust this guy. I can show you some photos of Bob How after. How big is he? Can you give us? So Bob got so big. He was in this like square tank, okay? But he got so big, he literally like was just turning, okay? So we got in this massive tank. And goldfish too do kind of keep growing to the size. So, ah. so he's like, he must be. 25 centimeters, like it's huge, big, That's big fish, like you know. Unbelievable. Um, and then I did, I did have Manchester United football trials, but it didn't go well because I'm standing up here, like doing the, <laughs> doing the seminar, you know. So, anyway, justice isn't your second choice career, is it? Well, hey, here we are, right? It's great, it's great. So we uh, we'll move on swiftly Wait, from that then. there. And um, what we would love to do in this seminar is um, we're, we're going to have a bit of a conversation. We'd love you to almost listen in. Hello. Uh, listen in on a bit of a conversation that we're going to have around what what does it mean when we say we're going to raise a rescue operation? We've talked about it at main stage, if you've been here over the past few days, that Summer Madness, amazingly, are going to come together. We're going to try and raise a rescue operation to bring people out of slavery. And at a top level, we might, might get that what that means, but we're going to try and dig into it just a little bit more. Um, talk about the processes of what that is. Who are some of the people involved? Share a little bit more stories with you. But we also want this to be a space for you to ask some questions as well. So you'll see there's a pen and a piece of paper. You don't have to write a question down, but if something does pop up uh, throughout the seminar, feel free to write it down. We're going to give like a little moment at the end if anyone wants to pass them in, uh, write them down. And Rachel, could you give us a wee wave? So if you have anything, Rachel will every now and then be able to take in and collect those in, and we'll try and answer those questions at the end. So we hope it's helpful. We're going we're gonna to dig into this, this justice area of modern slavery a little bit more. Um, Esther, I wonder, could you kick us off? So I, I shared a little bit on main stage about, and I've said here that we both work for International Justice Mission. Could you share a wee bit more about IJM, who we are, what we do and why we exist? Yeah, sure. So um, International Justice Mission, IJM to its friends, um, which is you. Um, so we are the world's um, largest organization that work combating modern slavery all around the world. So we work on the ground, in the trenches, uh, to both find and free people that are caught in cases of modern slavery, of human trafficking, of other forms of violent oppression. Um, and then we work on the other side of the, the problem too. So we work with governments, we work with police systems, we work with big corporations, businesses, churches, um, to actually affect systemic change and to stop this happening in the first place. Um, and what you find, what we found over 25 years or so of this work, is that when you combine 
working with individual cases um, and, and helping get people out. When you combine that with working on the system level, so legal systems, um, systems um, of justice, when you combine those two things together, it is possible to make massive, massive change. So um, over the last 25 years or so, we've seen uh, the statistics of whole nations begin to flip. This is really exciting work. It's also really difficult work, um, but we're really seeing God's um, on the move in this whole area of ending slavery and bringing justice. Yeah, that's super helpful to kind of like paint that picture of, of who I am and what we do. And um, I guess the, the main reason we exist is because slavery today is, is this huge problem. It's, it's this giant. Um, again, we've talked about it a little bit at main stage. We've talked about that there's millions in slavery today. Um, could you dig into that just a little bit more? Like, like what, what is this problem that we're dealing with? How, how big is it? Is it something of the past? Is it very much right now? Share a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. Um, just give me a show of hands. Have any of you learned about slavery in your history lessons at school? Yeah, quite, quite a few of you. I certainly did. That was the first time that I came across um, the idea of slavery. It was in history. Um, and, and I remember seeing big pictures of, um, of like boats and, and images of slavery um, in black and white and talked about in the past tense. Can you hear me okay with the wind? Yeah, um, it's wild. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Northern Ireland, I Esther, where the tent at any moment might actually blow <laughs> so away. So okay? jeopardy. But we're gonna, we're gonna go for it, right? <laughs> we'll keep going, we'll yeah. keep going. So um, slavery often is talk, talked about in the past tense as if it's something that, 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 that used to exist. And we talk about the abolition of slavery as if it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but if when we hear the word slavery, the picture in our mind is in black and white, um, we actually need to fast update that into full colour because sadly, slavery is alive and well today. Um, there are more people in slavery today um, than at any other point in history or since records began at least. Somewhere around 50 million, which is um, about the same population, just actually slightly more than the population of Spain. And a quarter of those are children which is pretty chilling uh, when, when you think about it. And it's just um, not that slavery um, has gone away, it's just adapted. So it looks a little bit different um, to the way that we might have learned about in our history lessons at school. So um, it looks like um, forced, uh, forced labor slavery. So people held in sweatshops, um, in brick kilns, um, families held making uh, the clothes that then end up in cheap shops or on our, you know, in our, on our high street. It looks like a child slavery. So children put to work on, on, on fishing boats, in factories, on farms when they should be in school. Um, it looks like sexual exploitation. So the teenage girl from Romania promised um, by her boyfriend online that when she meets him in London that she'll live happily ever after and she turns up and it's a lie. Um, and it even looks like some very, very recent forms of slavery that we've been seeing emerge over the last few years. Um, one around online exploitation. So um, the live exploitation of other people live streamed across the internet. Um, it's, I won't go into particular detail now, but it is extremely disturbing and dark. Um, and also forms of, of um, of online what we call forced criminality. So people forced to commit, commit crimes like scamming online using technology. So what we've basically seen is that slavery continues to adapt um, using kind of technology and, and, and this really slavery in its modern forms. So um, although, yeah, slavery has changed, it's, um, it's, it's, it's alive and well sadly today. However, 
the good news is is that we know how to stop it and we are seeing that as i said before it's possible to make massive change so you have to hold those two truths together that it's it sadly exists and it's big and it and it's awful and there are things we can do and there is huge amounts of hope when it comes to this as well mm. That's um. Uh, thank you for that. Really, really helpful. Just to kind of paint that picture. And I think the thing that stood out to me there is just how we can think that slavery might just look like one thing, but it's different in different contexts, different places. And someone uh, this the most recent stat that really stood out to me that that landed it because I don't know about you, but see when someone starts talking about numbers like millions, kind of goes over my head a little bit. And so about 50 million is the recent estimates of people in slavery today, and that equates to about one in every 150 people on the planet. And when it's put like that, uh, that, that just really landed it for me quite, quite recently. Um, speaking about the numbers, you can talk about the big numbers. Uh, and Esther, you have been around iGEM for a while. You have encountered lots of stories, lots of places. You've been out to see the work, um, met with survivors, met with our team who are on that real front line. Any stories in particular that you could share with us today? Sure, sure. I mean, um, yeah, gosh, there's lots of stories I could tell you of some of the most remarkable people. And um, slavery um, always has three things in common. So it will begin with a lie or a trick. Um, it will involve someone held against their will, whether physically or held because they're kind of emotionally caught somewhere. And the third thing is, is it, it, it steals people's futures. And um, those three things that we see in common in stories all around the world. And there's, there's one story, actually, that, that really um, I always come back to. And it's of the, yeah, a young woman called Joy, who is a remarkable young woman. Um, she is a really, really bright young woman. She's one of those people that's got a cracking sense of humor, you know, that can like drop a line and it just like has the whole room in stitches. And we, um, we bonded over an appreciation of Pride and Prejudice. The Colin Firth movie. Thank you very much. Uh, not the book. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Joy's story uh, began like many of the stories of the people we work with and that she grew up um, in poverty. And she was 13 years old um, when she was trafficked um, actually by her aunt into a case of sexual exploitation in the Philippines. And um, she was held um, against her will and forced to um, do things that no child should ever have to do. And her abuse was live streamed on the internet for paying customers all around the world, including those in our own country. And um, she describes um, the years, and she was held like this for many years, um, of being treated like a dog. Can you imagine that? Being treated like a dog. That was the extent of her teenage years. And she was 17 years old. So from 13 to the age of 17, when IJM um, were able to work with um, the local police using online data to pinpoint her exact location and to actually get her out of that situation. And what we found actually at the time was that her aunt was abusing dozens of children in the neighborhood. Um, but that's not where Joy's story ends. Um, because fast forward a, a couple of years, Joy has become the most incredible activist and she um, is just a powerful communicator. She's someone that has chosen to use the experiences that she's been through and, and raise her voice um, and stand um, for the things of freedom and justice and hope. And a couple of years ago, she came with me to a conference, actually not unlike Summer Madness, a conference called New Wine um, over in England. And she stood on, um, 
on a stage. Um, if you could picture the big top, she stood on a stage, a little bit like that, in front of around about, it's a room that seats around about 5,000 people. And she told her story. And I tell you what, like humanly speaking, she should have been like shaking like a leaf. Like she told the most vulnerable story I think I've ever heard anybody tell in that sort of setting. And she should have been terrified. And yet she blew the room away. And, and for me, she, yeah, she spoke about how she was no longer a victim, how she was a survivor, and how through the midst of her trauma, she had found God and God had found her, and how he'd been at work to reconnect her with her calling and her dreams and her passions, and how she just won a scholarship to be a social worker um, because she wants to help walk through other young women who have gone through this. And I tell you what, for me, she is the image, I think, of what God wants to do in lives all around the world. Um, that there is no situation that's too far gone, no uh, darkness that is too dark, uh, that God cannot reach in in his light and his hope and his kindness and bring people up and out into that. And um, yeah, she, her name, Joy, um, I think just sums it up beautifully, what we want to see in these situations all around the world and what we are seeing too. Yeah, well, it's like super, super powerful Joy story. And like, it's not like Joy's story is, is unique either. You know, there are, it's unique in itself, but there are just so many stories of that happening, of survivors stepping up and now, kind of survivors now leading the way in their communities as well. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon it shortly, but certainly for me, the, the thing that stands out is that, is that journey that someone goes on from that like utter darkness through the rescue, but then coming out the other side because it it's about being restored and brought to something even more amazing that was before as well. Um, right, let's dig into this just a little bit more because we're talking about the rescue operation. That's what we're going to hear to do at Summer Madness. Like, what does that even mean? You, you, you picked up on some people that are involved in rescue operations. So you maybe mentioned police, uh, undercover investigators. Um, could you dig into that a little bit more? Who are the kind of people? So we, we identify... Someone needs rescued, someone needs help, someone needs brought to safety. Who are the people that start getting involved in this? Sure, sure. And to be honest, guys, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. We use the word rescue entirely as shorthand. And, and partially because to raise a rescue, it sounded quite catchy and we hope people would remember it. Um, so, um, yeah, the word is, is shorthand for something much, much more complex. Um, which is the work of bringing somebody fr uh, to freedom. And actually how IJM work um, all around the world is, is through partners. So, so what we'll do, we might have um, a tip off or um, an inkling that, that something's not right in a certain area. So it might be a brick kiln in South Asia where actually that looks, something's not quite right. Or it might be a, a house in, um, in Belfast where people are coming and going all strange nights, uh, time of nights, and the police are kind of checking it out. So it will start with a sort of a, a, a tip off. We have undercover investigators who will work with police to gather evidence of what is going on. And now that might look like going into those places um, with, with hidden cameras, with microphones. Actually, often it looks like working with, um, yeah, the online world. So um, those kind of, tricking and trafficking others use the same platforms that we all use okay so we're talking about um paypal we're talking about facebook we're looking at online transactions we're looking at mapping data across the world to actually work out what is going on and building a picture of where someone might be we'll then pass the evidence back to police 
and then we'll work with police to help get that individual out. Or I say individual, it could be families, it could be a whole community in some cases. Um, and so what we do, our role is one of supporting the police, the local authorities to do their job and do their job in a way that cares for the victim in a really empowering um, kind of victim-centered, trauma-informed way. And um, often this is really, really hard work. So people generally in slavery are not held in obvious places. Okay, um, we're talking about often quite dark, dangerous situations. Um, colleagues of ours have been um, turned on, attacked. Um, they're often putting, yeah, put in, yeah, really complex situations um, to find people, um, and people are held in places that aren't easy to get to. We're talking about compounds behind, behind barbed wire. We're talking about a single boat in deep, deep water. This is often really, really hard work. Um, but we will not give up until we work out where those people are. And, and, and yeah, we do that alongside police. Um, and that kind of moment of finding somebody um, is often the product of months and months of very, very complex investigative work. Um, and it's, as you allude to there, just the start. As once someone's been um, identified and brought to safety, then the hard work of walking that road to healing and often inner freedom begins and and that can be quite a complex journey as well so um you could distill it down and say we're going to raise a rescue it's quite complex work and yet we see that god manages in his kindness to knit together these pieces of quite technical work to make something beautiful come out of it and um we were talking the other day as, as a team that often feels like a bit of a tapestry and, you know if you like turn a tapestry over on one side it's got like hundreds of threads and you're not really sure what's going on and knots and crisscrosses and so on and then you turn it over and there's a beautiful picture um that often feels like this work as you bring together police and social services and undercover investigations and data and all sorts of things and yet we see beauty come out of it as well it is a and for me that was like definitely an eye opener of seeing it that this is a this is a lot of people this is done in partnership this is done together it's not a case of one organization going with a superhero cape and saying we'll do this but it's about working with those on the ground partners it's an every it's an all together ending modern slavery is an all together thing um, I'm going to move on to a question which is about when someone is rescued, when someone is brought to safety, when someone is brave and gets themselves out of those places themselves, what happens next once someone is there? Do, is it kind of a good luck, all the best, or how, how do we get on? How do we get on with those individuals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, every situation is different, and we've worked with people that have been in slavery um, in their 90s, have been enslaved for decades, and we've worked with children less than a year old. And everything in between and you can imagine that the sort of care and support at either end of the spectrum needs is very very different so a family being caught in a brick kiln will need different support to a young woman caught in exploitation in, in Europe okay so every situation is different and um, but iGEM's teams of social workers um, and what we call um, aftercare teams um, will work with that uh, survivor and walk with them for however long it takes to ensure that they are not only empowered and free but they can stay free and that will look often really really practical from things like counseling to work finding safe housing um to uh to things like um 
yeah, have they got sustainable employment moving forwards? Um, but importantly, it will often involve supporting them through any legal proceedings. So if any of you have watched legal dramas, you'll know that um, if someone's in, if a criminal is in court, you'll need a key witness in order to actually get, get that criminal put behind bars. And it's the same in cases of trafficking and slavery, that if you've had someone that's enslaved others, in order to stop them doing it again, you actually have to like hold them to account. And in order to hold them to account, you need a witness. So um, often um, what we'll do is we'll work with a survivor to ensure that when they go back to testify, to say, to tell their story, to say what's happened, to say, yeah, that person trafficked me, that person tricked me, to stop them actually doing that to others, um, we need them to tell their story. Um, but that can be an incredibly hard thing to do an incredibly hard thing to do, to go back to tell your story publicly and to face the very person that, that, that got you there in the first place. Um, so what we do is we work with that individual and, and ensure that they feel empowered for that whole thing. And actually that, that process is a really, really positive one. And it can be an absolute key um, to healing and to empowerment, to actually be able to tell your story in an environment that is safe, that you are listened to, and you have your story validated. So that is a really key part of the story. And actually what it means is we can stop that, that person doing the same to another family or to another individual um, because you know, they're held to account. So that is a really key part of the puzzle is to make sure that that, that person that's gone through the most horrendous experience of their life can actually get justice and can actually be empowered in the process um, of doing that. Does, does that make sense? We're explaining some quite complex work here, um, but I feel like you guys are tracking. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. That's um, that's just really really helpful. I, I'm I'm going to move us to our, our final question because what we would love to th this might even just finish a little bit early this seminar, which we're totally fine with, and. We want to give space for if you need to go on, but also if you want to come up and ask some questions as well, and even have a little chat with the person beside you. But final question, probably a bit of a practical one for the here and now, um, and even with summer madness, you know, being having a real focus this year on taking action. Let we are going to leave here with a legacy of uh, a rescue operation equivalent be, being happening and uh, being able to happen in the future here. For us sitting here, for us outside, what are some practical things or, or, or what would you say to someone who wants to go deeper in this journey of justice, who wants to uh, be part of the story and the things we've already talked about today? It's great. I mean, you guys even being here is a huge encouragement to us, so thank you. And, um, and I would say the first thing to do is, is to get aware and actually you being here is a great step in that. Um, crimes like slavery, like we've heard about, like Rajasari's story that you told this morning, Ben, um, they thrive in the dark. You know, slavery exists in the hidden places. And yet when we start to get aware, we start to shine a light on what's going on in the dark. And when we start to share about what we've become aware of, we start to multiply that light. So the first thing I'd say is you getting aware, then you sharing what you're becoming aware of, even is a great first step. And if you check out like IJMUK's Instagram, for example, it is full of stories and resources and things to help us get aware and to actually share what, what's going on. So slavery thrives in the dark, get aware. And the second thing is, is this, um, as much as iGEM's work involves lawyers and social workers and police, it involves ordinary people like you and me, um, 
you Ben you know all of us with our different skills and 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 gifts um we have um you know storytellers who who love painting a picture of what's going on we have artists who help you use their creative skills we have business people who are using their businesses to change the story that says that yeah we're just gonna get rich out of the you know the profit of other people's labor you know whatever it is that you guys end up going into or that you're passionate about you can use that with a purpose um, and with a purpose of justice at the heart of it and um, I'm going to speak actually a bit more on that tonight um, but there's something about using what's in your hands the things you're passionate about already um, if it's sport whether it's music whether it's drama whatever it is like when we say to God will you use what's in my hands and, and help me use that to make a difference there are so many things um, that, that, that you can do and um, just a third little encouragement I would say is that this is a long term thing um, the work of justice the work of being a Christian I think but the work of justice and the work of ending slavery um, it's it's not a quick fix we're talking about um, big global systems that are gradually changing um, but it does take time um, and yeah I wish I could click my fingers right now and those 50 million people instantly be free honestly that would be the dream um, but this is um, long-term work and so I'd say you know get yourself aware get yourself plugged into what iGem's doing ask God for his help um, let's get praying and let's say you know what we're going to walk this out until we really do see an end to this but it's going to take one foot in front of the other it's going to take digging in for the long haul um, and, and you are warmly warmly invited to be part of that story Amazing, super helpful. And if I was to maybe add just two things from a from a Northern Irish, from an Irish context as well, um, we, we would really encourage you to connect with our IJM office here in Northern Ireland. If you are connected with the church, we love to come in and talk about this issue. But more importantly, let's get praying about it as Christians and churches. We, we have ways to help you lead that. Um, obviously, we know a lot of us will be here as young people or with young people too. We have a, a, a resource called the Freedom Challenge, which is uh, basically setting up an escape room escape room style adventure in your church a uh, really helpful way to empower your young people to lead the way in your church in some of these issues and um, we have it at the IGM stand uh, and you can come and check it out you can come and chat to me uh, after this as well to find out a little bit more about it but I would say what does it look like for you to get your church involved in this and to get noisy about it and to get praying about these things as well and um, Esther, thank you so much. What we're going to do now is I would love you to, that, that was probably like an avalanche of information, content, emotions, up and down, all sorts of things. Could you turn to the person beside you, okay? And you can, you can say well done, firstly, for listening through that because it was so yeah, much really stuff. Really well, well done, done right? But we'd love you to, to do one of two things, okay? You can do both. Um, one thing that stood out to you, maybe one thing you didn't know, or one thing that, that stood out to you. And if you have any questions at all, okay, you can write them down on that piece of paper. Uh, and Rachel, if you give us another wave again, Rachel is going like, to float around, okay, and you can hand those two, and we will we'll have a go at answering them as well. If you don't want to put the question down on a piece of paper, come and chat to us after as well. So two minutes, take a breather, chat to the person beside you, what stood out to you, something to go for it. Um, just a really quick round, give you one more minute here. Rachel's still floating around if there's anything. If there's not, we're totally okay with that as well, by the way. We'll get a little gift, le you know, a wee gift but of going. We also love your questions. We do. Sorry, I'm saying that as if. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying that as if. Like, ben sounds like he's trying to clock yeah, off there. I'm not trying to clock off, okay, I promise. So any questions, fire them through. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to suggest, thank you, we have loads of questions here. We're, we're getting, really we're get, good time. Yeah, really great questions. Thank you, thank you. So, I, I'm going to say now, we'll problem, we're not going to get through all these. Like These are probably loads of questions here. So if we don't say your question or answer your question, feel free to stick around, okay? And um, we'll, we'll, try and, we'll try and answer it as well. Yeah, it's loving it. Great. <laughs> Is that anyone's car? I've got some good questions do, here as well. Do you do you want to? Well, here, will I will I read some of these out? Yeah, and we'll see yeah. see what we're yeah, going yeah. for. Brilliant. Okay. Um. First question here is: Does the aftercare involve reuniting the individual with their family? That's a that's a great question. It's a really really good question. So um yes and no. So um there will be a a, a whole load of assessment criteria around if going back to family is safe. So um. Not always, but it can sometimes be a sad situation where family isn't safe to return to. Um, or uh, in some cases where, some awful cases that are hard to get your head around where family have been involved in someone's exploitation. Um, we will always make, say, uh, make sure, and by say we, our social workers working with local authorities, that the environment of which that individual goes back to is a safe one. And sometimes, sadly, that isn't the family. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it will be an extended family member um, for whom we'll, we'll take on that um, that that kind of care. In in Joy's case, for example, it was her her aunt, um, and she actually um, yeah yeah was um, went to a, a different kind of um, setup to to heal because actually going home wasn't the the right option in her case. Um, but the important thing is, is it's a safe, stable environment for that individual to heal and and, and, and flourish. That's great. Good thank question. you. Thank, thank you. you. That actually answered a bit of another one there as well. So um what one about here, um has there this is an interesting one. Has there ever been a, a field rescue? Yeah. And if so, what went wrong and what and how did you learn from it? What did you learn from it? Yeah, so actually I'm gonna um speak about this tomorrow a little bit. Um but there's one particular one that I'm thinking of and to be honest, it, it, it's not uncommon. We're talking about, um, yeah, as I've said before, pretty dangerous work in extremely complex situations. Um, you'll remember this, Ben, but um, around about Christmas time, we we're praying for an operation in Ghana. Um, and uh, we were looking, um, planning to bring, we'd discovered that there were a number of children held um, in slavery on fishing boats on Lake Volta there. Um, it's quite a, a key piece of work that we're, we're doing in Ghana around child slavery. And um, these children had been um, trafficked onto fishing boats. Some of them had been there for several years. Um, extremely dangerous work whereby children are often forced to dive down into the lake and untangle fishing nets, high rates of, of, of drowning. And it's, it's just awful. And our teams were working on um, an operation um, and they identified where the children were. The children often moved around quite a lot to, to kind of keep keep them hidden in a way on a kind of remote island in the middle of the lake and so on and um we were praying and praying and praying for this operation you'll remember it and um we knew um we knew it was happening i was i was in what's that contact actually i'm good friends with the leader of the the um office in ghana of what was happening the teams were gearing up we we're ready everything was lined up and it came to it and we were praying i think it was a tuesday night and we knew the teams were going out and they were setting off at like 2 a.m ready for sunrise to get the children and um, word came through there'd been a tip off in the local village where somebody had got word and we still don't know who somebody had got word that IJM or the police actually were, were in town and the kids had been moved and hidden to another really remote part of the lake 
and um and that was heartbreaking that that operation had been months and months in the making and um yeah learning from that often feels really hard so like it's just so frustrating but yeah we rally together we we <laughs> we keep going um we realize that that local community probably wasn't the base for the team we find new partners new places to base the next work from and um and yeah there have been other operations that have fallen through often to do with kind of tip-offs because this work you know slavery is often hugely lucrative so it's in the interests of a business person to 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 not allow people to be free does that make sense i know that sounds a bit of a backwards way of explaining it and these are hugely powerful often kind of international criminal rings and so therefore kind of yeah often things being tipped off or people being moved happens um, and so the work for us is always to identify the right partners to work through um, the right police that want to do the right thing the right local partners who who you know who want to do the right thing um, but it's really tough and it's really tough when that happens um, and we will get those kids out we will the team will yeah, yeah. Th- thank you um, I'm going to finish on one final question yeah, sorry that's a bit uh, of a downer sorry yeah no 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 we'll, we'll, let's lift our heads back. well this is a good question here okay cause, so this one's this one's actually about hope oh, right okay on. so how the, one of those question is We've actually talked about just that there's heaviness to this, there's a weightiness to yeah. this. How how do we maintain hope yeah. in all yeah. of this? Oh, you know what? It's um, a really, really key ingredient here. And um, there's so much to be hopeful for. Stories like Joy's give me hope. Um, the fact that close to 10,000 people were brought to safety just last year alone, that gives me hope. Um, you give me hope being in this room. The generation who are saying, we're going to stand for justice, we're going to make that count. That gives me hope. Um, and, and you know what gives me hope is we're seeing massive, massive change. Um, we've seen over the last um, yeah, few years, systemic change, not only possible, but happening. We've seen rates of slavery in some places we've worked absolutely plummet by up to like 85, close to 90%. Like literally the statistics of whole places flip on their head. And not because we've brought thousands of people to safety, although we have, <laughs> but, um, but more because we've seen systemic change happen because we've empowered and got alongside and supported the police, the social services, the local churches, etc., to get involved and, and do the work of justice. So this work can feel really hard and heavy because it's really dark and we've talked about some pretty hard things but yet we're seeing God at work we're seeing change happen um, and also what gives me personally hope is is the work of a team you know what the work of justice and I said it earlier that, that like it's the work of lots and lots of different people from from yeah from investigators to partners to churches to um, to people like you and me getting involved and we were never meant to do this on our own like we were never meant to do this on our own. And so, yeah, the work of, of like helping one another keep going, encouraging one another, that's got to be a key ingredient to hope um, is that the work of justice is, is done together. And, and in that way, we, we keep we keep fueling each other's hope. Amazing. Esther, thank you so much. Can we give Esther a round of applause? Thanks, thank guys. you. For Thanks, sharing, uh, a round of applause for Ben. I just asked the questions. Didn't get I just into asked the Manchester questions. United, but is doing great work. So, Here we are. You know. We try our best, right? Um, folks, thank you for coming, and um, we would love you to leave with one of our. We have a yes. sorry, I start getting you to. 
get grab that there. Uh, we resource as well of just different ways that you, your young people, can get involved. So please do. Well, maybe could we give it to you guys at the door, and you can take one on your way out. Um, if you haven't visited the Big Eye Gym Blue Freedom Box, come and visit it. Uh, bring your youth worker if you are a youth worker. So sorry. Um, and we'll be lingering around here a little bit too. So come and ask any questions. So thank you so much. Have a great one.